Good evening. I'd like to welcome you this evening to the midweek Bible study and prayer meeting coming to you from the auditorium of the Altoona Bible Church. And before we get into our Bible study portion of the service this evening, of course, we're going to be having some time and spend some time in our prayer. We ask that you be praying, of course, and continue to be praying for our country. And then we have some other uh, prayer requests, not, not only beside our country, but be praying for the radio, the TV, the Facebook services coming to you from the Altoona Bible Church, uh, those who are shut in whether at home because of the COVID-19 or through the nursing homes in the area. Can you remember our missionaries? And we have several people from the church going through some physical problems as well, so we ask you to remember uh, them in prayer. And again, I just remind you that the prayer request could be sent to the church. You can email it uh, to the church at altunabible at altunabible.org. Or if you have a prayer request and you want to call it in, it's area code 814-942-2131. And Wednesday nights we've been doing Ask the Pastor, so you could even ask if you have a specific Bible question. Maybe you don't understand the specific doctrine or specific verse or something that we've been looking at over the last several weeks have raised some questions in your mind. You can email again in the subject uh, title on the email, just put in uh, Pastor ask the pastor, and then just email the question. Again, it's Altoona Bible at altoonabible.org, or you can call, the, call into the church office, area code 814-942-2131. So let's begin the service by having a word of prayer. Our eternal God, as we come before you, we thank you again for Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for who he is, for what he has done for us. We thank you for the living word, the written word. Both are faithful, both are true, both are trustworthy. We thank you for that. And God, as uh, we're here, we just continue to remember and pray for our country. Uh, you know what we're going through. Uh, God, we just uh, pray, uh, God, for our leaders. Pray for those in authority above us, according to First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 2. Uh, God, give them the wisdom that they need. And uh, Father, we just uh, pray for our country as we continue dealing with this pandemic. Uh, God, and some unrest and other things that are going on. Uh, God, we just uh, pray for our country. Also, God, we do remember our missionaries. We pray for them. We think, God, how they've been affected by this pandemic. Uh, many have not been able to go around uh, uh, during their furlough to share uh, deputation and to share what uh, you're doing in their part of the world. And so we pray for them. They may need, need to be having to raise some funds, so we pray for them. Also, God, we pray for the missionaries who... Whatever field they may be serving, they may be under lockdown there. So remember them in prayer as well and keep them safe. Use them, we pray. And then, God, also, we just uh, pray for the various services. Uh, God, we thank you that our Sunday morning and, and soon our Wednesday night uh, Bible study will be, have be meeting here at the church. And, uh, God, we know that the plans for the Sunday evening service. We thank you, God, that... In the meantime, that we've been able to provide services over the radio, over the TV, over the internet, and God, we just pray uh, for those services, those who are watching, those who are listening. Uh, God, we pray for them. If there's anyone who does not know Thee as their personal Savior, uh, we pray for their salvation. Also, God, for those who are saved, uh, God, we just pray that these services 
the messages would be a spiritual encouragement to them, that they would be growing in your grace. God, we continue to pray for your ministry here at the Altoona Bible Church. Uh, God, we thank you for your faithfulness all these years. Continue to watch over, guide and direct and protect us, we pray, God, and that we would continue to fight the good fight of uh, faith. And so, God, we commit all these prayer requests to your care. Continue to lead, guide, and direct God in our lives. Uh, God, that everything is done to your honor and your glory, we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So as we continue our series on Ask the Pastor, we've been talking about premillennialism, and then we were showing you the difference, talking about the second coming of Christ versus the rapture of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, the rapture we believe in, a pre-tribulation rapture, pre-beforehand, we believe that the Lord's return for the church, the body of Christ, will occur before the tribulation, before the 70th uh, week of Daniel. And if you look at that, simple chart that you see on the screen. Again, you, you see the issue of the dispensation of God's grace, and then you have arrow up, arrow down, we meet the Lord in the air, and again, Lord willing, next week we're going to talk about some of these differences between the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, and then you see the 70th week of Daniel. Remember, 70 weeks, if you go back and read Daniel chapter number 9, verses 24 down to verse 27, Seventy weeks are determined upon Daniel's city, the holy city, Jerusalem, and Daniel's people, the nation of Israel, to fulfill and finish and to bring in six things. And those six things are interconnected, so you don't get three at the cross and three later. They're all at one time, and to get those six things, and one of them is what? Bringing everlasting righteousness, and that's the kingdom. Why hasn't the kingdom come? You see, there are some people, as we shared with you several weeks ago, believe that the church is the kingdom, they're all millennials, and we're already in the kingdom of God. No, we're not. The 70th week of Daniel has not come yet. The 70th week, the final week, seven years, that, that's the tribulation period. Marked by two, three-and-a-half-year periods, the last three-and-a-half years is referred to by the Lord Jesus Christ, dealing with his great trial, this great suffering, the great tribulation. It's really the time of uh, Jacob's trouble. And then you see the second coming of Christ, and then you see the dealing with the millennial kingdom, and then following the millennial kingdom, the kingdom of God, Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, 45, the stone comes, and that kingdom is going to stand for what? Forever. Not like Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, not like the Medes and Persians who conquered Nebuchadnezzar, not like the Grecian kingdom who conquered the kingdom of uh, silver, the Medes and Persians, not like the coming kingdom of the Antichrist, the kingdom of God is going to stand absolutely forever. We're a part of it, Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and verse 13, but our hope is not here on the earth because we're heavenly people. And when you understand right division, remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God is going to reclaim his authority on the earth through the nation of Israel and the heavenlies through who? The church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is so important to understand. And last week we looked at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. And I would like to read uh, that portion of scripture again. And then we're going to continue looking into the fifth chapter. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those that have died that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. You have a godly sorrow, 
but your sorrow is not equal to those who have no hope. And again, there are those individuals who believe 1 Corinthians 15, you eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow you die, you're not going to exist, so don't worry about where you're going because there is no heaven, there is no hell, you just will not exist. And that is non-scriptural, that is wrong, it's blasphemous. There is an eternity. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for the believer. For the unsaved, it's going to be absent from this body, absent from the Lord throughout all eternity. So these individuals, these Thessalonian believers, ha had a, a question. They, they had a concern concerning those believers who had died. Would they still receive a glorified body or would they miss out? So that's why God, through Paul, writes, which are asleep, verse 13, that you sorrow is not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Again, the word sleep, you've got to look to the context. But going back to the Lord's words in John chapter 11 with, with Lazarus, when he plainly he says to his disciples that Lazarus is sleeping, they believe he is taking a nap, that he is just taking a rest, and that's a good thing. And then the Lord explains him what Lazarus is dead. The word death means a separation. And he was not, there's, the Bible does not teach, it's, there's no soul sleep, it's not a state of unconsciousness, it's a state of consciousness. That's why Paul would say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, shall not precede them which are asleep, those that have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And please keep in mind, you might, you might say, why, why do the dead rise first? I thought they're already there. They, they are. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What's there is the immaterial part of man, the soul and spirit. What's not there was the body. The body dies here on earth. Soul and spirit, believer in the dispensation of grace, immediately goes to, to be with the Lord, immediately goes to heaven. The body then is interned, or maybe some choose cremation, or it's interned here in a cemetery here on the earth. The bodies are going to be raised and they're going to be changed. And the dead in Christ, what this verse is telling us, is the dead in Christ will rise first. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, we, that generation... Those individuals who are alive at the coming of Lord Jesus Christ... For the church, the body of Christ, what we call it, the rapture, caught away. We showed you how that word is used. Go back and read in Acts chapter number 8 with Philip. How Philip went down to Gaza to the south. He talked to the Ethiopian eunuch. He was then caught away and he was transferred to, to another city. This here, this is the only, this, this is talking about the rapture, the catching away of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be caught up together with them, in the with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we, the dead in Christ, we are alive and in Christ. This is not the unsaved. This is not all people for judgment. That, that's wrong. This is for the believer. The dead in Christ, we who are alive and main, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever 
be with the Lord. And what a beautiful verse. And again, verse number 18. Such a comfort. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I've said, we've been in the, my wife and I have been in the pastoral ministry over 40 years. Have conducted hundreds of funerals of family members, of, of dear friends. And truly, the, these verses of Scripture, this verse of Scripture, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, when the world is looking, and even as we go through COVID-19 and despair of what's going on, they don't know what's going on and where to turn to, the believer has the, the true Christian hope, the blessed hope, knowing that this earthly body is a temporary body. One day the mortal is going to put on the immortality. That which is subject to death is going to put on that which is what? Not subject to death. Praise God for that hope that we have through Christ. I pray that you have that hope, that eternal hope that we have through Christ, and you only receive that by trusting the Lord as your personal Savior. If you've never trusted him, you need to trust him before it's eternally too late. You can only do it while you're here alive. It's confessing that you're a sinner, understanding that Christ came into the world, he died, he shed his blood. You have the absolute forgiveness of sin. Believe and God will save you. And then we have the joyous Christian hope. That's why he says that you sorrow, you sorrow as others who have no hope. Then comfort one another with these words. Well, as you continue reading to the fifth chapter, and so in the fourth chapter, the Thessalonian believers, we said, had a concern, a question, and with the unsaved, excuse me, with the saved believer who has passed away in Christ, would they miss out on this resurrection? No, they're not going to miss out. The dead in Christ rise first, then we who are alive will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and we emphasize, please understand, this is not the first resurrection. And you say, what is the first resurrection? We have talked about it, but I'll go back and read John chapter number 5. In John chapter number 5, we read these words in verse number 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all they that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Notice the emphasis, all they that are in the graves will hear his voice. And shall come forth. Lazarus, when the Lord Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he do? He said, Lazarus, you come forth. If he would have just said, come forth, I believe that everyone who had died up to that point in time could have come forth and would have come forth. But he identified who he wanted, Lazarus. Lazarus, you come forth. And Lazarus got something precious. He got life again, but you know, you understand, he did not receive a glorified body. Lazarus later died again. And here is this first resurrection. All they that are graves. And in verse 29, he mentions two resurrections. And they shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life. That's the first resurrection. And they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. And as we pointed out, at, at this point in Scripture, is there, is there a time interval between the first and second resurrection? And your answer would be or should be, I, I don't know. But when you go over and read Revelation chapter 20, you see that these resurrections are separated. But notice, it's all they that are in the graves shall hear his voice. 
and come forth. They that have done good, resurrection of life. They that have done evil, to the resurrection of damnation. But you see, our resurrection, the rapture resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we all shall be changed in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, The dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. See, there's two groups. Those who are alive at the coming of Christ for the church, the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, and those who have passed on, they're not going to miss out in the rapture. They're not going to miss out in a resurrected body. They're going to receive a glorified body. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, we know our, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to change these vile bodies. These vile bodies, these bodies of humiliation, these bodies that are laughing at you. And my body is laughing at me. And it's going to fashion like the body of Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus Christ died once. He was placed in a sepulcher once. He was resurrected once. Never to what? Never to die again. Why? Because he received a glorified body. And that is the body that we are absolutely going to receive. Now as you continue reading then here in the fifth chapter, notice what you see here. When we come to the fifth chapter, verses 1 to 10. Let me just read some of these verses of Scripture. But at the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. In a moment, we're going to place and put on the screen these pronouns that you start seeing. Look at them. Listen to them. If you want to, even circle them in your Bible. Or highlight them. Notice, and we will read it, and then we will comment in a moment. But at the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren... You're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Let us, therefore, not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunk are drunk in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, and then in 5, 4, you, and it begins with the word but. It's contrasting. So literally, when you come down from the fourth chapter, verse 13, to verse number 18, and I've said, remember, that chapter breaks, are, that's not part of inspiration. Inspiration are what? The words, the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God in profitable, profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It's about the word of God. So these words are God's words. 
If you don't like the words, you're, you, these are God's words. These are the words that, pro, as Matthew, the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. But literally, chapter breaks are not inspired. And so as you come here and you read in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, it's, it's about the believers. It, it's about the rapture of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when you come to chapter 5, verse 1, but... But in the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the believers in the city of Thessalonica. And again, as we suggested last time, last week, if you go back and read in Acts chapter 17, you will see the historical reference to Paul coming into this city, Thessalonica, in, in Greece. And you will see that he talks about three Sabbath days. And that has led some to believe that he was only there for three weeks. See, I think he's there longer than three weeks. Those three Sabbath days, three weeks are in relationship. There was a Jewish synagogue. And as his custom was, if there was a synagogue, he went there and he, and he preached the Lord Jesus Christ. Could have been there, and I believe he was there longer. So he's writing this epistle, and I believe, again, that this is God's first epistle through the Apostle Paul. He writes 13, Romans to Philemon. That's the canonical order, but the chronological order, I believe that 1 and 2 Thessalonians is, are the first two epistles, and of course, 2 Timothy, no question, is the last epistle because we know that he fought the good fight, he finished his course, he knows that the time of his departure is at hand. But do you notice he's writing to the, to the brethren? But of the times and seasons, brother, brothers, brothers beloved, brothers in Christ, you have, you have no need that I write unto you. And, and notice, you know something that we're going to put on the screen here, but notice these, these personal pronouns. Let me just put all these on the screen. This is just running from verse number 1 to verse number 10. And you can see in verse number 1, it's ye and you. Verse number two, yourselves. Verse number three, it's they two times, it's them. Five, four, it's you and ye and you. And again, it begins with what? But. Five, five, it's ye and we. Five, seven, it's they two times. Then five, eight, and five, nine, it's us. And then five, ten, it's we two times. You notice that they're changing. You say, well, what, what's, why is that significant? Because as you read 5.1, when he is talking, he says, Brother, times and seasons, brethren, you, ye have no need that I write to you. I don't have to write to you concerning the times and the seasons. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, we'll talk about the day of the Lord in a moment, so comes to the thief at night. For when, notice, they say, then sudden destruction comes upon them. There is a change. Do you understand and see that? In 5.1 and 5.2, he's, he's talking about the believer. He's talking to a fellow brother, a saved individual. But when he comes to 5.3, he's talking about what the unsaved. And then 5.4, you see the word but contrasting. 5.4, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. We're, we're not in darkness. There's a verse of scripture in the book of John. It, it, they, it's, it's light. But, there, but there's a time coming that there's night coming. It's a reference to the tribulation period. 
Then he's going to say, and you'll see, dealing with us and we. Ye and we, and then in 5-7, it's they again. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunk are drunk at night. But we're, we're, we're the day. Because we know our position has changed. We were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The coming tribulation is darkness. If it's darkness, where are the day? How can we be here? We're not here. And again, that's why we emphasize and believe and preach and hold to a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, the body of Christ. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, it's the mystery. The, the mystery, the secret is the Lord's return for the church, the body of Christ. It's a secret because it was not revealed in the Old Testament. We talked about that. We, we looked at Daniel chapter number 2 as just as an example. The, the, Daniel gets the information upon what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed and the interpretation. Read, read Daniel 2, 22 to 28. There's a God in heaven that reveals secrets, and he makes these things known. That's what he revealed to Daniel that night. What didn't he reveal? What didn't God reveal? He revealed nothing to Daniel or the Old Testament prophets, not, nothing during the earthly ministry of Christ about what? The church, the body of Christ. Not a nation, but, but, but a body. And so you have the mystery. You, you have the rapture resurrection. You, you're dealing with believers. Then as you turn to the fifth chapter, verses 1 to 3, it's dealing with prophecy. It's dealing with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second coming of Christ deals with judgment, and it deals with the kingdom program, and it deals with unbelievers, they and them. But not, but not us, but not ye and you. Did you. I hope you see this difference. And as you do, again, that, that is showing the difference between the two programs, and then also the hope that we have in why is one of the reasons that we give you more why we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, the body of Christ, pre-beforehand. The book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. And there, there are some who believe that it's already been historically fulfilled. No, it hasn't. It's a book of prophecy. So some believe it's allegorical. You can't understand it. And they want to change things and put the church. No, no. And then there's some within the body of Christ who understand it's still future, but they believe that Revelation 2 and 3 are church ages and that we're in the church age of the Laodiceans and then the rapture in that chapter 4 to the end of the book, chapter 22, is the dealing with the tribulation period and then new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. No, those, those churches are not church ages we shared that with you. Those are future churches during what? During the tribulation period. That they have to overcome something to receive something from God. They have to be overcomers. Read Romans chapter 8, verse number 37. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. And that is a compound verb in the original language. And the issue is we are more than, we are super conquerors. We're already, we're already super conquerors. We're already more than a conqueror through him that loved us. And those people need to overcome something. So we understand that you have in, in these verses of Scripture a contrast, the mystery, the rapture, dealing with a body, dealing with believers, and dealing, con contrasting that with prophecy, 
second coming of Christ, the kingdom, and the unbeliever, the day of the Lord. Notice he says in 5.2, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, not the day of Christ, not the day of the Lord Jesus. You see, we need to know what time is it? What, what day is it? We're living in dealing with the day of grace, the dispensation of God's grace. This, this is the day of the Lord. Look over with me. And I'll read Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 and verse number 10. And again, this shows you, indicates, understanding that the book of Revelation as it starts, and I'll, I just, in fact just want to read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It is a book of prophecy for those who teach that this is a historical book or allegorical and it's already been historically fulfilled? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The, the, these things are absolutely coming on this world. And we say this. You, you think what we've gone through with the pandemic, with COVID-19, are even horrible and horrific to even understand. The deaths over 115,000 here in the United States, worldwide over 400,000. But read the seal judgments, the, the trumpet judgments, and at the end, the vile, the bowl judgments. See the destruction that is, is coming. So the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we'll say, well, this is a revelation of John. It's not, it's not the revelation of John. John was on the island. He's on the island here of Patmos, and he was caught away in the spirit, and God tells John, John, the things that you see, I want you to write them down in a, a book. And we have it. It's a book of Revelation. And it's the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The word revelation means an unveiling. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants as things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and he signified by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. He saw it all. He saw it all. John, the things you see, you write it down in the book. Blessed he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. And, and you might have a very good question. As I was just reading Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, this must, the time is at hand. These things must shortly come to pass. And you might be saying, well, if that was written in 95 A.D., then God's word is lying because 95 A.D., the year 2020, why do these things come to pass? But when you understand right division, that, that program, and I believe the book of Revelation was written earlier than 95 A.D., that program was what? It was interrupted. It was interrupted like the 70 weeks of Daniel. The first 69 weeks ran consecutively. Afterwards, you had the Messiah to be cut off. There was to be a war in the 70th week of Daniel. But what people didn't know, what the Old Testament prophets didn't know, John doesn't know. God's going to interrupt the program, the prophetic program, with the dispensation of God's grace. So this is, this, this is a book of prophecy, very clearly. As you read verse number 9 and verse number 10, 
I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ was in the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit in the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. The Lord's day. And maybe someone's going to have a trivia question for you and they're going to ask you, what day of the week was the book of Revelation written? And if they want to say Sunday, that is wrong. Because at this point in time, they wouldn't have called Sunday the Lord's day. What he's referring to just inverted. What he's referring to is what? The day of the Lord. We just read it back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And what he was writing there is saying to you believers, I don't have to write to you concerning the Lord's day, the day of the Lord. That, that's what revelation. Where is John? It's not referring to what day of the week he's writing it. That's not the issue. What it's referring to is that he is caught away in the spirit to the Lord's day, to what? The, the Old Testament day of the Lord. And the majority point of the, that John sees and writes down is what? Dealing with the tribulation period. Because it's going to carry all the way through. Revelation 19 is the second coming of Christ. And just a few verses of scripture concerning the kingdom. The kingdom's over. Great white throne judgment, Revelation 21, 22. What? New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. If you go back with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 2. Isaiah chapter number 2, beginning here in verse number 11. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. What day? For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty upon everyone that is lifted up and he shall be brought low. And there are other verses of scripture if you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There are other verses of scripture that are referenced and referring to what? The day of the Lord, the Lord's day in the Old Testament scripture. So what Revelation 1, 9 and 10, when it says the Lord day, that is equivalent to the day of the Lord. It's a coming day dealing of judgment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So the day of the Lord comes to thief in the night. For when they say, not you, because this is not this, we, we are children of the day, not of night, not of darkness. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman, and they shall not escape. Matthew 24, kingdom rides against kingdom. There's going to be time of pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, and sometime when there's natural disasters and earthquakes and other things, Bible pastors and teachers will run to Matthew 24 and say, see, these things are being fulfilled in front of our very eyes. No, no. We're going to talk about, Lord willing, next week we talk about the difference between, one of the differences between the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, and the second coming is signs versus no signs. That's what people do not make that clear distinction between these two and separate comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, but ye brethren are not in darkness 
that that day should overtake you as a thief. What day? The day of the Lord. You're not in darkness. When you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you were taken out of that in out of position. You were placed in Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, the Holy Spirit baptized you in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. You have complete union with him. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 5, you are all the children of light. We are the children of the day, not of darkness, not of nighttime. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, because of that, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunk are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the helmet protects the head, the hope of salvation. Why? For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Let me just emphasize and say this. The doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, the body of Christ, has been under attack, and it continues to be under attack in the 21st century. And we as believers need to understand this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, the word salvation means deliverance. It means deliverance. And notice as you read verse number 9, but to obtain salvation. He's not talking about soul salvation. He's not talking about salvation dealing with sin. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. But here it says to obtain salvation. Go, go back with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 4 for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 4. So Romans 1.16 is not equal to 1 Thessalonians 5.9, even though you see obtain salvation, the power of God unto salvation. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look, look at how the chapter begins. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Verse number 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, thyself and the doctrine, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. What, wasn't Timothy a saved individual? By the time you're reading this, what didn't Timothy believe? He was a part of Paul's missionary team. Of course. The salvation that they're talking about in 4.16 is not Romans 1.16. It's not about the, the salvation of a soul. He's talking about saving yourself from what? From false teachers. You see, if we stick to God's word, and we understand God's word, and we rightly divide God's word, we're, we're going to understand and see the truth. I mean, I often think of this verse as scripture, but over in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, right after verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show thyself the proven of God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We, ha we have scripture. Do we believe here at the Altoona Bible Church? Pastor Stewart, do you believe the Old Testament scripture? Absolutely. If anyone says we don't, they don't know what they're talking about because our first point of our doctrinal statement is the word of God. 
Because we believe that the word of God was given by God. It's God breathed. We quoted earlier 2 Timothy 3.16. But it has to be rightly divided. Daniel 9, for instance, 70 weeks of Daniel deals with what? The nation of Israel. God says it. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, Daniel, Israel, and thy holy city, Jerusalem. So, you, you, again, interpretation and then application. Notice after you read this, keep reading verse number 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase under more ungodliness. And their word will eat, it does a canker, it's going to increase, it's going to grow. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Listen to this. Who concerning the truth have erred. They've wandered away. Saying the resurrection is past already. And overthrew the faith of some. To me those are sad words. It's sad enough that these men taught the resurrection is past already but they overthrew the faith of some. Why was the faith of some overthrown? Because they were not following God's word. If they were grounded in God's word, established in God's word, an understanding of God's word rightly divided, when these people were teaching a false doctrine, they should have said, no. No, this is incorrect. You think of Acts chapter 20. Paul meeting with the Ephesian elders at the city of Miletus. He, he meets with them. He's going on to Jerusalem. And he tells them that there is going to be an impending attack, spiritual attack, spiritual warfare. What does he write over in Ephesians 6? Put on the whole armor of God. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against what? Spiritual wickedness in high heavenly places. And he tells them grievous wolves are, are going to come in, not sparing the flock but also of your own selves within, and he was talking to, not just the whole church, he was talking to, we know the elders of the church are going to teach twisted and perverted doctrines to draw away disciples after them. What does he commend them to? Keep reading. He commends them to the word of God. And the word of God is able to build you up. And then, again, not to be judgmental of these individuals. But they sorrowed most of all that they would never see Paul again. Oh, I believe Paul came back. I can show you that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 3. Don't you think they should have been sorrowing most of all for the message that we are in a spiritual battle? And you need to, as a warrior, you need to be prepared because the battle is coming from the outside, not only from the outside, but it's from within. So if you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, the body of Christ, that doctrine is absolutely under attack. And what do we see here in verse number 9? For God has not appointed us to wrath. The wrath here is not the wrath of the lake of fire. Praise God, we, we have an absolute assurance when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ to spend all eternity with him. That's already taken care of. But to, obtain, but to obtain salvation, a deliverance by our Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath is the wrath dealing with the tribulation period. The salvation is what? The deliverance when the Lord returns. The dead in Christ, we who are alive remain, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever. 
So shall we ever be with the Lord. Again, there's people who believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. The church will only be here for the first three and a half years. And the first three and a half years are not too bad. Well, re read Revelation 6, the seal judgment, followed by the trumpet judgment. They take place in the first three and a half years. The first seal that is broken, there's a rider on a white horse. Read Revelation chapter 6. And that rider on the white horse is not the Lord Jesus Christ, folks. That's the Antichrist. And when he goes out, he has a bow, but he has no arrows. And he's going out to conquer. In the first three and a half years, he's uh, the man of sin. In the last three and a half years, he's the son of perdition. There are some who believe in a, excuse me, a post-tribulation coming of Christ for the church. You're going to go through the whole thing. And there are some, some who will use the words, it's a pre-wrath rapture. And that sounds like, you know, a pre-tribulation rapture. No, no. They're just saying you're not going to be, you're going to be here the first approximately three and a half years, but you're going to be delivered before the time of Jacob's trouble. Well, here at the Altoona Bible Church and myself, we, we stand four square. Four square on God's word and God's word rightly divided. And understanding the, do the doctrine, the doctrine of God's word and the doctrine of God's truth rightly divided. And one of those great messages is the message of salvation. We're saved by grace alone through faith. You never trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Good works, religion is not going to get you to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. In the book of Romans, Paul says, for I am persuaded, I, I pray, that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, height, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which in Christ Jesus our Lord. I pray that you have that persuasion. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're trusting your religion, some good works, anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ, or something alongside the Lord Jesus Christ, religious activity, that's not salvation, folks. Our salvation is for by grace who you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Won't you believe and trust him before it's eternally too late in your life? And for us who are saved, God's exhortation, command is to study to show yourself to prove them the God. It's not to say I've got this super knowledge and, and to be proud about that. It's so that knowledge in place will affect you so that you can live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you understand this great hope that we have through Christ, we sorrow when we lose a dear friend or a family member. But we sorrow as others who simply have no hope because we know what the future is. The Lord's going to return. And if we're not alive at that time and we go through the valley of the shadow of death, Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And one day he is going to return. He is going to return. And when he returns, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, because of that, stop, think upon this. Comfort one another with these words because of the eternal hope that we have in Christ. And that eternal hope is the blessed hope, and it's the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, the body of Christ. 
1 Thessalonians 5.9, God did not appoint us to wrath. The wrath of the tribulation period. The wrath that's waiting this world. But to obtain salvation, to obtain a deliverance. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back one day. We don't know when. And we're going to talk about some of the differences between the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, and the second coming. We don't know when. But we're to always be looking. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray as believers that we're always looking for that hope, looking for his return, serving him until he comes, that God could use us and God will continue to use us, and that we understand God's word and we apply God's word to our life so that tr power transforms us. It's not, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Read, read Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, but it's not I. It's Christ that liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God's word transforms and changes lives, changed my life. And when we understand God's word, we apply God's word, we have that peace of God that passes all understanding, we can pray to God, and we look to the future and understand the glorious hope that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ that these mortal bodies one day are going to be changed. The mortal is going to put on immortality and it's going to be changed and it's going to be fashioned like under the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you understand that hope. If you have a question concerning that, please contact me here at the Altoona Bible Church. You can call the church office at 814-942-2131. Or you can email me at altunabible at altunabible.org. We'd love to hear from you. Love to answer any questions that you have or any prayer requests. Thank you for watching. God bless you. God bless the ministry of this church, the Altoona Bible Church. And may God continue to bless the United States of America. Thank you.